Fuck you, dude. Quit being my twin separated by time and genetics. Yeah. It is what it is. You're recording in a different spot than usual. You're not in your kitchen. Yeah. I am <laughs> I'm recording in my living room because someone wants to make dinner. Yeah, no. This isn't twenty minutes of banter, I apologize. No, it's it's okay. I'd like us to be funny like that. Oh, I wouldn't. I'd like us to be funny. <laughs> I got it, I got it. Because the shtick of my other show is that it's terrible. <laughs> I really don't think anyone who listens to your show would call it terrible. Well, 1,500 people certainly don't think that Secret Weapon Productions is terrible. What? what? I wish we could cheers each other, but we can't. We I'm can just... soon. Ah! Yeah, we're going we're gonna to have to record a podcast. I was going to say, we'll get to record our first episode in the same place. I know. And then never again. Ever. That's not true. Hopefully in the near future we'll be... Less Busy? bi-coastal. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm moving closer. I was going to say, did did ending Tales from Two Cities prophesize your move since we were no longer bi-coastal? I mean, maybe. Whoa. I remember us going through what our subtitle for, the, for Tales Two Cities were going to be, and I remember it was, for a while, we... We had the subtitle, or at least our theory was, bicoastal, bipolar, bilarious. Oh, God, <laughs> I remember that. We had some really, like, fantastic <laughs> titles. Why was it bipolar? That was um, I think it was during a really treacherous time for both of us. It actually, to be fair, was. Yeah. <clears throat> No, that was a that was a pretty beautiful project. Yeah. Coming out of like twas. I don't know. It was just it's nice to have that sort of first step moment. Like you always remember your first show, your first poem, your first whatever whatever creative endeavor the I thought first you were gonna say you always you remember it. your first steps and I'm like, that is rarely the case. <laughs> no, I have a perfect memory. I remember being born, which is why I have so many issues. Um <clears throat> Yeah, yep, just, that's why. Yep, came out and looked at my father and said, You did this to me! I was very angry as an infant. Yeah, and so much has changed. But yeah, it was a, it was a really beautiful first project. Uh, <laughs> I I think I was... I hadn't gone back to it in a while just because life, but I... Uh, Who calling you? Oh, that hoe! Tell him Theater of the Mind. Just text him Theater of the Mind in all caps. All right. <laughs> I'll I... do the same. H- hold on. Okay, um, can can you can we send it at the same time? Give me one second. Yeah. Are you doing theater, R-E, or E-R? Are you doing it pretentious? Are you or... fucking kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> are you serious? <clears throat> what makes you think I'd spell it correctly either way? Also, just for the record, he's in my phone as Skylar Rice, because I don't know his last name. <laughs> I'm gonna say R-E Okay, me too Okay, all caps, one exclamation mark Okay, hold on Exclamation Are you sending? Ready, one, two, three Clap (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well we'll see where that goes 
he was I am not optimistic <laughs> nor am I he he was really excited he called me after listening to the last podcast he's like I mentioned so much you're like yeah it's like you matter or something dick I need to put a really bad picture for his caller ID first no not of him of something that i think of when i think of him you should do a t-rex like flailing its arms because today when he got done with work he was like i feel like a t-rex finally free and then he sent a, Yikes. a gif of a t-rex and then he said something about eating mexican food this is an interesting why am i talking about this so today i went on to tales uh tales from two cities for the first time in a long time because we we discussed a specific topic for this podcast. And so it was the first time, like, looking back at some of the things I had written. Because I was kind of just see. Well, for uh, before I thought, oh, hey, I should just search terms. I, like, was trying to go back. I'm like, is this the one I'm looking for? No, it's not. And it was completely worthless because I'm not even reading the post. But... It was nice going back, and I was thinking about, like, wow, we were fucking eloquent at times. We had our moments. There are some some decent pieces on there. There are. I would say, I would say at at least half of them really could go into books. Like, I still think we should do that and, like, do poems and blog posts and, uh, what, uh, what was? Photography or paintings? I don't know. No, there was a third element. We talked about poetry. We talked about blog posts. My tasteful nudes. I feel yeah, like it I was think my I think nudes. I think it was the the series of photos of me stuck in oil paintings. Actually, that's what it was. That's what it was. So yeah, that's that's what I got. Love is is what I got. I said, remember that. <laughs> like that, I kind of. I told you. That. To remember it. Hey, guess who I'm seeing this weekend? Actually, I'm seeing two people this weekend. No, I'm seeing three people. You'll know one of them for sure. Your mom, Megan, and Anne. No, this is not where I'm going. This was not where I'm going. You're going to see all three of those people this weekend. Yeah, that's actually really, really accurate. Um, I nailed it! (laughs) Three people that I don't get to see all the time. One of them Um, is Maya. And then we're going to have, Yay. we're doing a double feature, and guess who's coming over? Hold on. You One, need to give me some sort of a hint. You like to make fun of both of them. One of them you've met. you got to narrow that down for me. The I thing like to is, make fun of most everyone. I know, but I think you know at least one. Rory? Rory is one, yeah. Rory is one. And then another person, a person I like to make fun of. Boy or girl? Boy. I like to, Eric? No, he's in Portland being important. He's being in Portland. Portland. <laughs> That'd be a good name for a, a really terrible porter. Like the beer. Oh. In Portland. Yeah. Um, a guy that I like to make fun of. Not to his Was face. Was he in my fraternity? No. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Lars. Oh, that douche. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, we're doing double. Uh, we're doing a double feature on Saturday, and uh, a little preview for our audience. Yeah, we're doing High School Musical two and Cheetah Girls two. So obviously, cinematic tour de forces. 
Man, you guys are getting into the sequels quick. You guys are going to run out of Disney Channel original movies. Unfortunately, in we are a not. Of years. We are in no <laughs> way running out of like. Are they still doing one every like two months? Uh, it's like every three to four months now. But They're man, quarterly. we are. Yeah, we are. I'd like us to have a majority of them done by the end of the summer, just so we have a good backlog. Because, you know, we're not going to live in the same place, so it's going to be far more difficult to record. Hmm. But that is going to be a challenge, especially the tandem drinking. I mean... That'll be... Eh, no. We do that every night. What are you doing? You... Hey, you up? Yeah. Drinking some rosé. Me too. Sweet. That's our... When we bro down. I was going to say, you're really broy. Yeah, I know. We get really... Well, have you heard Maya's impression of me on the podcast? Hi, I'm a dare. Yep, that's basically I it. I talk like this sometimes. Well, and have you heard her impression of Hugh Jackman? It's the same voice. Yep. She just says, hi, I'm Hugh Jackman. Yep, it's pretty good. I listen. I know that was a test. That was a trap. I listen. No, but it, it was more that, no, it wasn't It wasn't actually a test. It was more just me saying, like, I prefer to sound bro than that way. Mm, which she apparently fair. thinks I sound like. But, man. You, you pitch your voice well. You speak in a way that sounds natural to your tonal inclination. Which is great, because it's in no way natural. Really? It'd be really uh-huh. awkward if everyone found out I sound like this. The dogs hated that. <laughs> Holy shit, they all hated that. That's, that was out of necessity, clearly. You, you, uh, you know, you got pulled into the pug life, and you can't uh, Once you, get back out of it. I didn't choose it. It chose me. Yeah. There's a, a photo project going around on the internet of, like, dogs when they're puppies to when they're old. Some guy took pictures oh God, of dogs when they're young and when they're old. And pugs do not age well. <laughs> I know. I say as I stare at my 13-year-old pug and then look at my 7-year-old pug to my left. Pugs they- to my left. Pugs to my in front of me. Uh, and then, oh, guess who I'm seeing the weekend after this weekend? And maybe I'll, I'll podcast while they're here. Quit rubbing all your friends in my face. I know. So did you know, you know how I'm many lonely. friends I have? Like at least ten. So many. I'll give you a hint. Who's going who's to be here the weekend after? You like to make fun of them. Again. <laughs> not narrowing it down. Boy or girl? Boy. Or gender nonconforming. Um, eh, boy. <laughs> boy who i like to make fun of do another hint sherwin williams that's a person i'm not even going to like address how off base that was off base coat because paint yeah Uh, no i got it holy shit dude do you want one more hint this one theater of the mind oh yeah yeah you told me that he was coming Ugh, you gonna let him on this show or force him on the other one? Maybe I'll do both. I mean, if our relationship can handle both... Tag team. If our relationship can handle both of my podcasts, then maybe maybe it'll work out. Or maybe it won't, and maybe I'll be single. Drink. Drink. As a a great philosopher once said, if you want to be my lover... You got to get with my friends. Make it so last wait. forever. Friendship never ends. I mean, he's meeting 
Maya for the first time, presumably, yes? Yes. Uh, if he meets Maya, yes. So when is he going to meet any of your friends? Oh. Unnecessarily rude. I don't know. I, I suppose I should really start doing that, considering I haven't introduced him to any of my friends. <laughs> yeah, you weep. You know, speaking of weeping, that makes me think a lot about family. Man, I was going to transition into the fact that meeting Skylar felt kind of like you were introducing him to your dad, because I feel very dadly. I wear a lot of plaid. If anything, uh, you're my little brother, but... I'm protective in a way that I don't think is congruent with the little brother theorem, but... I don't know. Yeah, I said theorem. Deal with it. I know it wasn't the right word. I don't care. No, uh, family. Ah, family. I have many thoughts on family. Oh, me too. You and I both come from large families. Yes, uh, you are the only boy, which makes you special, and I am the youngest, which makes me even more special. We are both so, so special. And our parents did a great job of telling us that every day, so we had a healthy sense of self. Yep. Yep. I got participation trophies for tying my shoes. (laughs) Did you actually? Because I definitely got stickers for things that I really shouldn't have gotten stickers oh, for. Oh, no. I never got shit. I got a, a good job if I actually did a good job on something. There, I have yeah, because you were Eastern Montana. Central homes. But um, I have this uh, very... No, look at a map. I'm not, it's not too bad. No, I guess Montana. for me, just everything... <laughs> anything. East anything of Bozeman, even Everything <laughs> east of Bozeman is just... Eastern Montana. It's weird. Everything west of Bozeman to me is hippie nonsense. Um, <laughs> Hipster nonsense, I would say. No, no. Hippie. Hippie nonsense. Hippie. Um, don't know why I like saying that word that way. I never got, like, stickers or shit. I mean, I didn't go to public school or private school. I went to home school. So I didn't have, like, the, I don't know. There was no rah-rah committee. There was my mom. Um, and I have, I have this very vivid memory of my sisters fighting about something stupid like teenage girls do and then my mom kind of resolving the fight and then saying she needed to go to Target and me saying that I wanted to go with her to obviously get away from the feuding teenagers and when we were there my mom and I are shopping and she just turns and looks at me and she goes do you do you want to go pick out a toy (laughs) (laughs) so I went and found a nerf gun when they first started making nerf guns with magazines so it was like a real gun you put in a clip with darts loaded in it you know to sort of perpetuate the idea that these are normal things for people to have and make kids more violent um god those were the days (laughs) but i just remember coming back with this gun (laughs) and holding it up to my mom and saying can i get this and she just looks at me and goes (sighs) You you really have too many sisters, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> and you do. So Yep. So yeah, you have two older sisters and a younger sister. This is correct. For now. For now. You know, maybe you'll I'm trying I'm, to trade one in. I was about to say, are you like 
are you getting rid of one or do you think you're, there's still a chance your parents are going to sit you down and say, we're going to have a baby? Because <laughs> I'm sorry to tell you, that's not going to happen. Well, I know there was an Italian woman who gave birth at like 62, so. But they're Italian. The genetics on those Italians, it's just, it's like a finely tuned Lamborghini. Yeah, so it's uh, more like the Fiat. We have a very high uh, infant mortality rate. I, well, yeah, Fiats are, are notoriously not great cars in Italy. They're great in, in America, but... Great in America, not but in Italy. Not in Italy. It's just weird. They're such a fantastic manufacturing company. You know how much of our tile-cutting machinery is made in Italy? Our bottling technology? I took a tour of the Brooklyn Brewery a little bit ago. I heard. And the machinery that they used to bottle Italian manufacturing. So I did not know that because... They also make great shotguns. Another thing I don't know about. I thought you were Italian. What did we, don't you know anything about your people? No, none. Wine. Wine. Mm. Well, tell me about your people, your family. <laughs> Those aren't my people. <laughs> you people. <laughs> so I, I have a really weird family. As you know, I'm the youngest of, I consider it five, but biologically four. My oldest brother has been with our family since I was very, very small. Uh, he's technically my brother-in-law, but he and my sister have been together since I, yeah, I guess I was four. Yeah. Four or five. So he's always been around, and so I've always considered myself the youngest of five. And so I have two brothers and two sisters, and uh, my oldest brother is 20 years older than me. And then my sister, who's closest to me, is two years older than me. So growing up, I kind of felt like I had a lot of extra parents. And that was uh, frustrating sometimes. But it also, I think, made me mature a lot quicker. Mature a lot quicker. Because I watched what they would do and their mistakes. And I just was like, that doesn't look fun. And so I wouldn't. And so I was, I think I had like a really shitty like year in middle school where I was a brat. And like a year that I was kind of shitty in in high school, but I think other than that, like my parents had a pretty easy time with me. I could of course ask my mother this, but I I was. I don't I think th she would throw you under the bus. Nah, yet. not now. Like not at this point. We're twenty eight years in. She's just like okay, but I think honestly, like the biggest thing about me that was probably annoying was the fact that I really wanted to be around my siblings, and so it made me. Hey, he figured it out. Good on him. I'm not. I'm telling him no. I'm telling him that we're killing puppies. Okay. Over Skype. No, comma, killing puppies. I don't Skype, so I'm not gonna add that. Theater of the mind. Theater of the mind. <laughs> so I, I I grew up not really having a a dad. My dad was really present when I was very very young, and then he was somewhat present in my adulthood but there was a big point between like 10 and 20 that I didn't really see him much. So I don't really have a whole lot of a relationship with him now. The other thing, a weird thing about my family that you know, but some of our, our viewers, listeners might not know is that my parents If divorced. they're viewers, we really need to check your house for cameras. <laughs> oh, if they're my... viewers, we have a problem. Actually, we watched Snowden the other day, me and my yeah. mom and my sister, and I oh, noticed God. on my sister's laptop that she has a piece of tape over the camera now. <laughs> it was yeah. great. I was like, I was like, did you do that after Snowden? She's like, yeah. Also, I don't use it. Okay. 
But yeah, so my parents divorced when I was 20. And so that was kind of an older, uh, an older age to kind of experience that. And it was pretty hard on my family for various reasons, which we don't need to explain. But it led to relationships. It's influenced her writing. We'll it's, just say that. It's influenced my writing tenfold. There's, there's a reason we're talking about this, I promise. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, uh, it's, it affected uh, a lot of my early 20s, a lot of the things. Well, I mean, still. But it affected a lot of my choices, which has now affected me later on. I've, I had to grow up really fast at a time that normally a lot of people are just sort of like making mistakes and like just letting themselves like figure things out. What is so curious about your water? There's something in it. Mm. Looks like an ant. Probably like, is then. Like without legs. Looks like an ant, tastes like an ant. Probably an ant. Or bed bugs. Oh, no, it's fecal matter. I'm kidding. I don't know what it is. <laughs> it's like a crumb of food. Uh-huh. Happens. You have a beard. Or my dignity. I've been looking for that. Oh, I think it's here. Left My Dignity in Seattle. That's a good song. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's, it's been hard. It's been a hard, like, decade uh, since then, and it definitely refigured how my siblings and I interact, how my parents and I interact, and, like, my siblings' relationships with my parents. So our family used to be very, very close, very tight-knit, and that's not been the case for the last eight years. Like, I'm very close with all my siblings, for the most part, and my mom. But that's, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's a weird dynamic to have things be one way for so long and then have them shift so quickly. And that definitely, I think, really has affected my belief system towards like love and fairness and what is right and what is wrong and I think it's really established my need for truth in my life and so I think that all has definitely affected my writing which we were talking about because I was looking at possibly doing a piece about my father but then ultimately decided kind of to gear towards a poem where I refer to my parents that I felt like was very simple it was a simplified version of that I think we have different parental experiences, obviously. Um, My parents have been married for 35 years. Um, But my, I guess my relationship with my parents in my writing is either, um, I wrote a couple of poems in college that were directly addressed to them. Um, and I have stolen character traits from them. I won't, I won't lie. For certain characters, I have mined my parents. Uh, the biggest thing, though, is like, this is going to sound terrible, but not sharing with my parents. Because my parents have a very specific sensibility. Yeah. What they like, they really like. And the things they don't like, they don't like. And the sort of thing that I write, just I know based on their taste, would not appeal to them. I can remember coming home from being out in high school, and my mom had cleaned my room like she liked to do periodically when there was a time when I was going to be out for an extended period of time. My mom couldn't stand the mess, so she would just clean my room. And so 
considering I'm a teenage boy, often she would find things that I probably should not have. But I remember <laughs> I was probably 17 and my my mom had found, uh, had looked through my comic book boxes. And she, when I came home, it was like a drug intervention. This was so, she had laid out all of my trade paperback copies of Frank Miller's Sin City, which if you're familiar with, has has nipples in it. It has swearing in it. It's very gory and there's drug use. It is, honestly, it was fucking ridiculous. But like, laid it out like she discovered my heroin stash or some, I don't know. It was, and like, I had to defend having this and I got so frustrated in my conversation that finally, like a teenage brat, I just said, it's art, mom! <laughs> <laughs> Probably. I don't know. I, I My hands were clenched in fists of rage. Um, no angel Your face bright red. Set in spell. Um, but it was one of those weird moments where I was like, the things that I am interested in are not the things my parents are interested in. And like in college, I have, sele- I have selectively sent my parents things to read to prove to them that I write. But I don't. I don't share my writing with them, which is on some level sad, but I also take into account the advice, write like your parents are dead. Well, my parents aren't dead. So I'm not going to share the gratuitously violent screenplay with fucking it 57 times in three pages. And that's sort of been a, I don't know, an interesting journey to except that there's this huge part of my life that I'm just not going to share because I don't want the headache of trying to justify what I'm writing about or how I'm writing about it to my family. Like, same goes with uh, one of my sisters, you know. And And (laughs) I find that very interesting because I would say about half my siblings, they know what I do or, like, they know that I write. Mm -hmm. But... I mean, they four out of five of my siblings wrote my poetry reading. But I think it's not, like, necessarily something that they find interesting. It's just, it's an aspect of my personality. Whereas I never wasn't, I never felt a lack of support from my mom, at least, growing up. She encouraged me to write. She was totally interested in that. And I think a big part of that is she didn't, I mean, she's always been interested in the arts, theater, uh, visual mediums. Like, she and my dad, I believe, met when she wanted to help with public art in Missoula. And she was, like, petitioning. So the the fish that are by the river in Missoula, Mm -hmm. they're there because of my mom. Like, that kind of stuff. So she, and so they, she and my dad met so that she could work on this project to get public art throughout Missoula. And so, which is very, very cool. And so they were, you know, that was a connection, and I grew up, I learned about sex because my mom watched foreign films, Water for Chocolate and Eat, Drink, Man, Woman. Like those were the movies that I remember watching and I understood what sex was and it was never like a, oh, I don't know. And then we also, my parents were friends with artists so we always had art and they were friends with writers and so we had their books and we had an awesome young writers program in my elementary school Cheryl Nothy was the Montana Poet Laureate for a while. She directed the classes, and I remember she'd do poetry readings at the Missoula Art Museum 
and I'd do poetry readings there. And it was very, I was small and they were placating to the small children who want to write, but I never felt a lack of interest, at least on my mom's part. I think for me, my issue has been sharing it with members of my family that I don't necessarily trust to be completely open with. There's such an honesty in the blog and in the poetry that it's not that I kept it. I just didn't, I wasn't forthcoming with its existence all the time. Like if someone asked, and this is something I actually had a conversation with my mom yesterday about, I'm mm-hmm. 100% honest about things if people just ask me, but I also don't assume people are interested unless they ask. Well, you're not really a self-promoting type. I mean, not to, you know, take you out at the knees, but yeah, no, I get that. No, and that's, and I mean, that's always been the case. And my life is very, it's ever evolving and I'm very, and but writing is a very personal and intimate piece of my life. And so... I guess for me, I don't share it with my dad necessarily because I don't feel he shares that level of intimacy with me as far as like he is not honest with me about his feelings and his life. And so why should I be forthcoming about my experiences and my feelings? Because it doesn't seem like it matters. I'll read my mom my poetry or my blog post sometimes and she subscribed to the blog so she was aware of its existence. But it's one of those things that I'm very selective on who I really want to share and get excited about it with because it can be really heart-wrenching when you share something that you work so hard on and the person isn't supportive or the person doesn't care. And it's not that they are thinking negatively towards it. It's just that it doesn't matter to them. And so when you choose to, like, expose yourself, it's like kind of cracking up in your chest and saying, like, this is what's inside me. That was so dramatic. But that is what it's like. Well, and it's hard with family because they're never going to view your work separate from you. There's going to be some level of expectation based on who they know you as outside of your writing. And there's going to be some sort of critique or condemnation or encouragement of you based on that. Before they even consider your writing, they're going to go in one direction or the other based on your relationship. And it's just a, I don't want to say a trap, but it's a trap. Like you can't really be a hundred percent, I don't want to even say authentic, but you can't be a hundred percent honestly recognized by your family. I think they will always see you as the little kid version of yourself or whatever memory they most associate you with or however they have categorized you and they've had a very long time to categorize you and it's just it's a challenge to get a fresh perspective i mean even in my own life like looking at my siblings i have to make an effort to say to myself you're not my sister you're this person and to see them through that lens It's a challenge because it's so much easier to just continue to categorize someone as you have. Yeah, so it's so hard to acknowledge that people grow beyond what you may understand and know of them. And I think it's painful, particularly for older siblings to recognize like the person that their younger sibling becomes. It, It like it dates you. It makes you feel like the cornerstones the touchstones of your memory and your life don't matter. They're eroded. 
And it's a challenge in friendships, too. I think we tend to crystallize people into the moment that we knew them. Like, that will always be your college buddy, your high school friend, your grade school teacher. Like, we, it's easier to think of people in those terms. And with family, it's so much harder because they have so much dirt on us. They have so much knowledge of who we are based on our upbringing that whatever they choose to pick up on, whatever they choose to nail, time out. Cat! You there? Yeah, I, I, I didn't realize you hadn't come back yet, and so I was, like, talking to you about my dog being Rush Limbaugh. Dog's not Rush Limbaugh. Elton John did not play at Floyd's wedding. No, not this one. No, it was, uh, he was yelling about things that we weren't really listening to. That's funny. Yeah, well, that's Floyd. I feel like Floyd should have a, a theme song, and then it just goes, and that's Floyd. And then there's like a lot of shots of happy little young creatures, and then, and then there's Floyd. Inspiration is a sport, a sort of spontaneous combustion. The oily rags of the head and heart. Stanley Elkin? Elkine. Elric? Elric. None of those names sounded like they were spelled the same way, so just, just go with one. Stanley Elkin. Elkine. Elkind. He's the elder kind. I I was wondering when you hadn't spoken for a second. I was like, oh, he's going to put a quote in here. Abrupt and unwelcome, just like me. Welcome to Slow Claps and Rewrites. Yeah! I'm your right, everybody! Wait, no! <laughs> I'm your afternoon DJ, Jazzy you Jeff. Need... Oh, okay. I was, I was, I was, I was like, drinking I need... beer because I'm an ah. afternoon DJ, so I had to make it authentic. I don't know. I feel like morning DJs are drunker than afternoon DJs. Afternoon DJs are hungover. No, I think more uh, morning DJs are high. Oh. I think fun. afternoon DJs are drunk. Ooh, you know it would be a great fundraiser for a failing radio station? No, tell me. Awake and bake sale? Mm, all, like, weed edibles? No, it'd just be a funny name for a regular bake sale. Oh, that's, I like that. But I feel like it's false promotion and you're going to get a lot of angry stoners. Or a lot of stoners that go, oh, man. Less than apathetic. (laughs) Like like Tommy Chong when he's disappointed. Hey, man. End of rant. (laughs) I was, I was like trying to think of any episode of that 70s show that he was in. Oh, no. (laughs) I, uh, when he's, uh, when he's in the car with Hyde and they get pulled over and he's got, the paper bag in his lap and the trooper is about to let them go and he goes good thing you didn't ask about the bag man and then he comes back and asks for the bag and he looks in it and it's just dog treats and then he hands it back he's like oh that was close he goes oh man I gotta go check on my dog (laughs) classic Oh, God. That 70s show. Simpler times, man. Simpler, but it it does hold up. There are still some episodes and some jokes that are just... They are well-crafted multicam entertainment. They just are. I agree. I agree. I mean, the simple convention of keeping 
the bowl or the joint or the bong or whatever they're passing one person ahead of the camera brilliant they they could show all the stoner shit they wanted to they just kept it just out of sight it was perfect yeah i remember it took me a while though as a young person younger person to figure out what they were doing yeah i'm not gonna lie i didn't really know either I mean, when that show came premiered, I think I was eight or nine. I was not old. Yeah, I was like 11, I think. Holy shit. Uh, Speaking of TV shows, are there any cultural music, TV, movies, etc. representations of family bonds or you know, parent and child bonds that you feel relate, you relate to or are good representations of what you knew to be your connection with your parents? Hmm. I have less a, a family template. I'm not going to lie. Eric Foreman and... Uh, Red. Red and Kitty are a very exaggerated form of my early childhood or my... my adolescent self because I have always been a smart ass and uh, you know my dad was a little gruffer in the old days and my mom tried to uh, you know patch everything up and be sweet it is not a false paradigm yeah um, I I could totally see that it's not uh, 100% accurate it's a bit exaggerated but the the <laughs> The person who reminds me most of my dad from popular entertainment is probably Hank Hill. (laughs) Not in demeanor, but in the particularness with which he approaches everyday tasks and operations and just, this is the way that you do things. So much like my father. Amazingly like my father. Did you have an Asian girlfriend in middle school? I did not. I did not. 13-year-old Dan really wanted an Asian girlfriend, just didn't know any Asian girls. Do you have a song that makes you think of your mom or your dad? I've said this many times before, but Feed the Birds always makes me think of my mom. Um, yeah, I brought that up a lot. And with my dad, uh, it's, uh, gosh, probably Irish tenors. Yeah, probably the three tenors. Uh, no. There's a song that uh, Ronan Tynan and a couple of other Irish jerks recorded called uh, Isle of Hope, Isle of Tears. And it's about coming to Ellis Island. And uh, that was a big hit on Miller Family Car Rides for a long time. And it always kind of got my dad. He's a big Ronan Tynan fan. I'm not going to lie. This is the first time I've heard of any of that. So Ronan Tynan is an Irish tenor with no legs. He had a he Damn. had some sort of infection or disease. He had to have both his legs amputated. So he has two prosthetic legs. He's like reverse Lord of the Dance. Exactly. Okay. He was singing in a concert and lost a leg in the orchestra pit. And finish the song on one leg. Okay. Whoa. 
That's awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. His rendition of God Bless America for the Yankees is the reason my dad knows who he is. Like, in the playoffs, Ronan Tynan was the was the good luck charm. Especially because he always did the verse to God Bless America. The, the part before the part we all know. Yeah, yeah, that part. Yeah, that part. You know it. <laughs> Woo! So what makes you think of your parents? Well, waking um, up since your mom is pretty adjacent to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just wake up and she's right there at the head, foot of my bed. Uh, ah! <laughs> <laughs> followed by like three dogs. Oh, my dogs can't put their tongues in their mouths properly right now. It's really hard to focus. Yeah, it's like, dudes, put them away. No one wants to see that. No, I would say, honestly, a pretty decent depiction of my family is the movie The Family Stone. Minus the dad like my dad is nothing like the dad in it uh that is a that is a much sadder version of that movie no dad in the well no my mom was more the dad hey that's however however she wants to be addressed just let me know okay yeah i i'll let you know about that no i would say though like the dynamic between my siblings and i that's definitely the case like it it pretty well fits us Although I, in this in this theory of my family, I'm Luke Wilson, which is sort of depressing. I was gonna say that's like making yourself Robin in the Batman fantasy. Well, I mean, yeah, I'm definitely not. I'm definitely not any of the other siblings. You know, it's terrible. If I had to model my family after a TV family, it'd be the Bluths. That's, <laughs> that's my sibling dynamic. Oh man. I'm Michael. Oh, man. Honestly, oh, gosh. The dad from the squid and the whale kind of, like, reminds me of my dad a bit. Like, a little obtuse. Like the reference of the squid and the whale? Yeah. And, uh, like, those triangles that are beyond 90 degrees. I thought they were kind of cute. No, that's under 90 degrees. They're adorable. We've but got yeah. obese and adorable. Those are the triangles. <laughs> uh, yeah. Much like life. So. Oh, sad. I mean, yeah, my dad is a very smart man, and he's a very confusing man. And I think he was once described as a Zen fisherman. By he, whom? The by, New Yorker? Yes, actually, a person, well, not the magazine, a person from New York. But he's he's an interesting fellow, though. It's really, it's hard to explain him. It's similar with my mom. Like, I, my mom amazes me more than most people because of her intelligence, but also just her kindness, because so rarely do you get the combination of someone who's so genuinely considerate, but also incredibly intelligent, but not boastful about it. And she's been through a lot, and it amazes me the level of strength and composure she takes throughout each day. Hmm. And my dad is a person who is very intelligent, but very confused by the emotions of others. He really does struggle to fit on an emotional plane with other people. Like, he doesn't understand it. And I honestly think of him kind of as a wandering beat poet 
where they're just constantly unsatisfied. They're like searching for happiness and then they are self-destructive, trying to be on this path towards happiness. But then ultimately all of the struggle leads them to be unhappy still. And it's almost like your own intelligence is your downfall. So Yeah, it's... Those types of relationships are difficult. I mean, there's a... There's a burden of intelligence and want that is understandable and relatable and legitimate. But there's also a point at which your quest is affecting everyone else in your life. And you probably need to choose between that which drives you and those that are around you. Which I think is a hard thing to, for most people to grapple with. Oh, I totally agree. And it's hard because my dad, there's amazing ways that he chooses to connect. Like, he, my dad's a DJ. He does other things as well, but he's had a radio show for like 35 plus years at this point on NPR. But he still gives a birthday show for me and my siblings and my mom. And it's very, he does it not knowing if we're listening, but he does it every year. And there's a song that he plays sometimes. It's Father and Daughter by Paul Simon. And it gets me. And I just like weep. I mean, like, that's one of those things that, and for my mom, it's Ain't No Mountain High Enough is my song for her, because every trip we've ever taken, that's a song we've listened to, and every road trip we go on, we sing all of it. It's, it, but it's like one of those connectors. Who's, who's, who's Marvin Gaye in this? I am. Do it. Oh, nice. Always. I'm always Marvin. Sick. Yeah. My mom is super adorable and left food on the side of the computer for me yeah she's lovely it's a pulled pork from my brother that he made you pulled pork from your brother yep we did it was brutal actually i'm very excited this summer because i'm gonna go crab catching with him yeah is it fishing it's catching you use it you use a trap but it's really fun in the puget sound and he got a catcher and We've been and you'll using bring it. the rye. Yeah, I will. All the rye whiskey in that little kayak of his. But yeah, so I would say those are those are my cultural references. It's hard because I think sometimes when you have such strong personalities in your family, it's kind of hard to find like an exact match of it. But I would say those are those are the things that I connect to my family. Yeah, I think family is interesting in that they're an undeniable influence on you. And as you grow up, you either really lean into and embrace that or you try and get a healthy distance from it or some combination of the two based on the person. There are some people in your family that will never quit influence in you and inspire you every day. And there are others who are maybe less conducive to your process and maybe have less for you to be influenced by. Yeah, I totally agree. That's my polite way of saying some people in families are fucking crazy and some of them are fucking awesome. I I would I think we'd be hard pressed to find someone who doesn't have that aspect to their family. No. If you if you live in the Brady bunch, then keep it to yourself. Don't tweet at us. Don't email. Don't let well, us know. Yeah, no, it is a very interesting thing though to see the dynamics for my friends where when their families Floyd, no one cares. 
We're going to have to give Floyd a guest star credit on this episode. <laughs> right. Um, I would say there's a very different aspect to how my friends approach their families if their parents are divorced as opposed to if their parents are together. That's something I have noticed. There's just a certain... Because I think sometimes when they're, your parents are divorced, things feel a little bit more dire because you don't want your family to fall apart more. Yep. And, but I think when things are when your parents are together, things feel frustrating because everyone's in everyone else's business. You are not wrong. You are not wrong in your assertion there. Yeah, family is tricky for anyone, but especially once you you start doing any sort of story or work that may possibly pull from your familial experience, you enter a whole new treacherous water with family yeah it's true a character or a line or a thought or an emotion or an experience is lifted from real family life that can be very tricky very quickly it's why i don't often write about my family too because those that do read it i wouldn't want anyone to get offended I've actually never written a full poem about my mom, though, because it's so hard to encapsulate her into poetry. I think you'd have to write a novel for your mom. I agree. Well, and the thing, same can be said, honestly, about, like, Skylar. I write a lot about him, but I can't properly describe everything. So each piece is, like, a part of it, but not, it doesn't equal a whole. Like, sometimes I can talk about a feeling, and the same can be said of, like, my feeling for my mom where I can get a part of it, a fraction of it, but I can't get the whole piece. Yeah. And I've noticed actually my biggest struggle is I've been writing a, I've been writing poems or I've been trying about Eleanor and it's so incredibly hard because it's just this overwhelming sense of feeling and it's just it's so layered with with so much emotion that it's so hard for me to capture all of that and I feel like none of it does her justice and so it's frustrating to me because I pride myself on being able to be honest and be representative of who I am but this huge part of my life just I can't write about yet no get there though I mean there there are emotions there are people there are situations that it may take the rest of your life, but at a certain point, you're going to have either the distance or the understanding to tackle them. True. I believe that. I mean, there are, there are plenty of feelings just in your relation to other women that I think you've got a really good handle on. It's funny you should mention that. <laughs> shh, shh. Don't acknowledge it. It was a perfect transition. Shh. That, uh, that reminds me of my youth. I wrote a poem a few months ago relating to my inner turmoil of growing up and knowing that I was weird because I was definitely raised to be very just aware of who I am and be unapologetic about that, which when you're young sucks. When you're older, it's fine. But when you're younger, like you get teased mercilessly. You get it. You had copies of Sin City. So, without further ado, I wrote a poem called The Other Girls, which I shall read now. 
I was not made like the other girls, trying to alter the interior, attempting to mix seamlessly into any crowd that would have me, too short to stand tall, too loud to be inconspicuous, graceless and daring, precocious that bordered on the obnoxious, exuberance that overwhelmed and exhausted patience, equal parts iron and hide, the product of a warrior woman and a phantom father, never walking straight, toes turned in and limbs akimbo, as I retold the stories no one needed to hear. Not clever enough for wit, not smart enough for brilliance, not kind enough to be good. A girl who cried at the sight of rust, considering it the dry blood of forgotten metals. Laughing from exhaustion and fuming at ridicule, deemed odd to those who needed to title the hot, my hot mess of vulnerabilities. Among strangers playing the genius or the fool, whatever character the crowd needed me to create. Those who knew me better understood the burden I was becoming feeling heavier, weighed by reflections and not corresponding seamlessly into the shapes I used to create. I was not made like the other girls. I felt quietly and deeply. I was the trench among ditches and a hill against snowy peaks. I had become gravel running along the highway. I was the road no one dared go down, craving to feel the rubber against the crumbling pebbles I became, coming apart at contact because I was not made like other roads. The thing that I really enjoyed about that reading is due to dog noise, you had to restart <laughs> twice, right? <clears throat> yep, that was definitely a thing that happened. And I know you're going to edit that out for yep. the sake of the show, but... The thing that the audience isn't going to get to hear is that the first time you started it, compared to the last time you read it, the last time had, I don't want to say less pretension, but it felt more authentic. It, there was no putting on of airs. It was a little, it was grittier. You were reading through this in a way that felt like I may be talking to high school Adair or college Adair. You're calling me pretentious now. I get it. I get no, it. No, I'm not calling you pretentious. It's <laughs> no. something that we all do when we read our stuff. There's mm -hmm. the clearing of the throat. You stand up a little straighter. You put on your vet, your best voice, or your vest voice, whatever, and you just you approach the words like a sermon, or you know, like it's something of reverence because you wrote it, and because you wrote it, it's important. But you were frustrated enough this last time through to just read it, and it had this this spark of frustration that is kind of apparent through the whole thing of your inability to be properly categorized, not just by casting off the labels of, that other people apply to you, but sort of a frustration with an inability to figure yourself out, if that makes any sense. Yeah. I like the spark of frustration rather than the spark of creation. Ah. Yeah, no, I think what you sensed there was impatience and trying to get through that poem so no dogs bark during it at that point. But yes, oh, that was... Were you not trying to just get through your life? Yep, I was just trying to... I'm just trying to live each day right now, man. I don't know. One day at a time. Gotta One live, day at a time. Live my... I want to live till the day I die. No more, no truth. less. No, I, I enjoy this piece because it is so earnestly self-reflective. Like, it's vulnerable, and it, it doesn't feel like I was bullied or I was made fun of. It feels like a more honest evaluation of self, whether 
honest through your own perspective, which none of us can be objective with ourselves. But it feels like how you may have honestly seen yourself. Yeah, I could see that. And also, Earnestly Self-Reflective is definitely my favorite Ernest movie. It's definitely better than uh, Ernest Goes to Prison. Mm. Ernest Goes to Self-Reflection. Ernest Goes to Boot Camp. (laughs) Ernest Goes to Guantanamo Bay. I was going to say Ernest Goes to Kuwait. (laughs) (laughs) Skipped one. Mm-hmm. Ernest Goes to Kuwait was direct to DVD. Weren't they all? Did, yeah. Were there? I realized after I said it, they all were. I mean, we're probably wrong. I bet some Ernest movie was released in theaters, but still. God, I hope not. At what e- To what end would we do that? To what end do we put Ernest movies in the theater? To be fair, Adam Sandler... Well, no, we've kind of banished him to Netflix. He's in Netflix now. He belongs to Netflix now. He's their problem. <laughs> I feel like Netflix just kind of looked around and said, we got this, guys. So, Ernest of the Ernest movies. Oh, God. A, died at 50. He died in the year 2000. And he was the voice of Slinky Dog in the first two Toy Story movies. I think I actually knew that. Yeah. I did love Slinky Dog. Oh, my favorite. Although my... No, my favorite was uh, Rex, I think. The funniest line in all of Toy Storydom, I will always remember this, was Toy Story 2 when they're climbing up the elevator shaft to save Woody and the piggy bank's cork comes out and change starts falling out and he goes, oh, pork bellies are falling. And my father is a commodities broker and that is a joke about the commodities market. And I have only seen it twice in my life, but where my dad was laughing so hard and got so red, I thought he was going to have the big one. Like, this was it. Dad was going out, and he was going to die laughing to a Pixar movie that they got blackmailed into making. It was uh, not, a, not the perfect joke, but excellent for, like, 0.1% of the population that saw that movie. Well... Kudos, Mr. Miller. Glad you had that chuckle. It was a solid I, chuckle. I, I, can't, I, I, I can't tell you what my favorite joke is, because I don't remember. I didn't think you liked jokes. I mean, I can assume that, uh, that you think that because I'm not very funny. No, but... it's just because you don't laugh at mine. Slow Claps and Rewrites is painstakingly produced by Adair Rice and Daniel Crary. It is edited with extreme prejudice by Adair Rice. Slow Claps and Rewrites is a part of the Secret Weapon Productions Library. Copyright M-M-X-V-I-I. 2017. All rights reserved. Until we've been dead for 70 years.